This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council On Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Join Lux, Valerie and their special guests to hear the latest from the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC On Air, 6pm Tuesdays with podcasts available anytime from oar.org.nz, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Welcome to DMEC On Air, you're with the Arts and Culture Programme with Peter Kesher. I've got a special guest in the studio today, his name is Peter Mannins, and we'd like to talk about his time in Africa. Peter will introduce himself, but he's our newest member of the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council. He was on the council a few years ago, but I'll let him tell you a bit more about that. So we'd like to welcome Peter onto our programme. Oh, kia ora Peter, it's uh, nice to be with you again. Um, and tēnā koutou katoa to everybody out there listening. Yeah, it's great to be back working with the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council. As Peter mentioned, I was a member about uh, 12 years ago at the time. Uh, Suki Turner was the mayor, Peter Chin, that era. Uh, but then Grace, my wife and I, we went to live in the Pilbara in Western Australia for about uh, 11 years um, and we came back about two years ago as soon as COVID came in. We thought, right, we're out of here. <laughs> Let's get back home. And uh, glad we did too. So, yeah, that's uh, a little bit uh, about me. Uh, I was born here in Taranaki. Taranaki, Taranaki yeah. yeah. Taranaki Yeah, but uh, these days, Kapukotama Haka Teimaonga. But uh, I grew up early childhood in Auckland on the North Shore before the Harbour Bridge was built and b- oh, well. before all the million-dollar homes. <laughs> yeah, it was out in the bush in those days. Yeah. Uh, but then all my teens were in Wellington, used to think of Wellington as the hometown. So whenever I'm watching the uh, Hurricanes play the, uh, play the Highlanders, yeah, I'm a bit conflicted there. Uh, I, I win either way. <laughs> but um, school teaching took me all over the place, so... Um, first taught in Gisborne for a year, a couple of years in Porirua, picked in a few years, but then we lived in Thames for, right. for about yeah. twelve years. So yeah. you were a, you were a history teacher, or oh, you still are, actually. Uh, yeah, I'm so old now that uh, <laughs> <laughs> most of what it was current events for me. What they're teaching these days, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, that I, I went to Africa That's after. Right. Yeah. After Teachers College and taught for a few years, um, I went on the great OE and um, headed off to Africa. Uh, initially, Malawi, spent six months in Malawi. This is in 1975. So, what, what yeah. made you um, think of going to Africa? It's not usually a place that people would go to you know, <laughs> oh, for their OE. What a wonderful place. Um, yeah. Well, the main motivation was connected with the Baha'i faith. I'm a oh, member okay. of the Baha'i faith. Yeah. The Baha'i faith doesn't have any priesthood or missionaries, but um, they just, the Baha'is will just simply get up and go and live somewhere else and take whatever trade or profession they have and settle down and work in with the local Baha'i community. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what took me there. So initially I was uh, connecting up with the Baha'is in Malawi. Yeah. Um, and then uh, while I was over there, they said, look, um, we'd actually prefer if you were to go and live in Lesotho 
And I thought, Lesotho, where is that? Exactly. <laughs> like most people say, <laughs> quick look at the map. And it shows you that Lesotho is interesting. It's really the only country in the world other than the Vatican and San Marino, which okay. sort of don't really count as truly separate countries. Though. Mm. But uh, Lesotho is uh, completely contained within South Africa. So if right. you have a look at South Af- map of the South Africa, you can see a little rectangle there. Yeah. And it's completely independent. Its own mm. government, its own seat in the United Nations. They even have their own uh, uh, money, uh, their own currency, oh, currency. Yeah, yeah, okay. and all their own laws and so on. So interesting little place. I ended up there in 1976, and that's where I met uh, Grace, my wife. Yeah, Right. Is she from there? Uh, she's from Africa, but she's actually from Uganda. Uganda, she's right. She's Ugandan. Yeah. Um, and she was doing more or less the same kind of thing. She was raised in a Baha'i home and family, and uh, during that time, um, you might recall the dictator Idi Amin, yes. he, was, <laughs> yes. he was ripping apart Uganda and yeah. all the chaos and horror that was associated with his period of time. So uh, Grace left and came down, and that's where I met her. We met early in 1976 and were married about six months later. Wow. Yeah. Can you speak any of the language? Uh, uh, the, uh, Lesotho is a wonderful place um, Commonly mispronounced as Lesotho Yeah uh, right Because it spells what? L-E-S-O-T-H-U T-H-O T-H-O sorry Yeah, yeah, yeah So right. if, you, if you look at it Yeah yeah But the, the, the pronunciation is Lesotho Lesotho The people are the Basotho one of them is Basutu. A Basutu, oh, that's wow. the plural. Yeah. Uh, singular Mosutu is one person from that country. Oh, okay. And they speak Susutu. <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> uh, Susutu is one of the languages there of Southern Africa. Uh, it has a click in it. And uh, Grace and I, I remember we were having to practice when we were learning it, our vowels. Um, oh, all right. <laughs> Uh, but in the studio, we call that a click track. Hey, Peter, we'll just um, we'll take a quick break because I'm going to play. Want to play a track from Lesotho? So um, we're just going to play this track, and then we'll be back with you. Great, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, 
For those that have just tuned in, we're in the studio with Peter Mannins. We're talking about the country Lesotho, which is in the middle of South Africa. Peter Mannins lived there and, well, travelled there in 1976. So we've got Peter in the studio with us. Peter, can you tell us about your time there in Lesotho? Oh, yeah. Wonderful country. And if anybody has the opportunity to travel to South Africa, be sure to go up to Lesotho. Wonderful people there. Um, it's interesting because it's quite unusual. The country itself is located high up in the uh, Maluti Mountains, which are oh. par- part of the great Drakensberg Range, which um, goes all the way down from uh, Swaziland or uh, all the way down to Cape Town. And it's a high country. So the lowest point in Lesotho is about um, three thousand feet up. So they have a snow oh. and they have a full snow and ice winter right. up there. Yeah. I didn't expect that. Um, and yeah. that's why the national dress, if you see pictures of people from Lesotho, is the beautiful big um, warm blankets which are yeah. w- worn like a, a cape uh, over. So do they have like four seasons like we have here? Uh, yes, they do indeed. And in springtime. You'll see the blossoms out in the trees in the villages. One of the things that I first noticed when I moved to Lesotho was the 
absence of trees and forests, especially mm. coming from New Zealand. Yeah. And I thought, my goodness, uh, you know, how am I going to learn to love this place after having tramped through the forests and the mountains here in, in New Zealand? But of course, every place has its own particular beauty and the vastness of the mountains and this sense of space um, that you get uh, and the wonderful rock formations throughout Lesotho and the, the waterfalls and, yeah, truly a beautiful place. But it's the people that are the real attraction. Yeah. They are such yeah. a warm-hearted and beautiful people in Lesotho. You told me um, when you were living there, um, that was during apartheid in South Africa. So how did that affect um, that country, with um, Lesotho? Yeah, well, Lesotho is completely independent. Uh, it was formerly a British protectorate. That's how it ended up as a separate country which is the same story for um, uh, what used to be called um, Swaziland and also Bechuana land, which is now Botswana. Yeah. These were British protectorates. When the Boers moved up in the Great Trek in the 1830s, uh, they were taking over territories and so on, and the Basutu people under their king, Moshweshwe, um, pleaded with Queen Victoria to protect them, and the British granted them protectorate status, and that's how they ended up as being independent. But oh, well, that's interesting. So yeah. during the apartheid era, uh, they were completely independent. They had none of the uh, ridiculous racist apartheid um, laws on their books at all, yeah. and that's why when Grace and I married there, that well, there was no problem. But our marriage would have been illegal next door, just over oh, the border yeah, right. in Lesotho. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the infamous Mixed Marriages Act and other acts of that kind outlawed any kind of um, mixing of races, as they used to refer to it. Um, but Lesotho had none of that, uh, none of that at all. But I did travel in South Africa during that time. I was connected with a couple of uh, newly established primary schools that we were getting going, and I often went into Bloemfontein and into Johannesburg in order to buy supplies and things like that. So I saw at first hand how apartheid divided everybody up. Um, a lot of people these days don't realize the extent to which apartheid mm. separated people. They had the, the Afrikaners passed a law uh, called the Group Areas Act, which quite literally forced the different race groups to live in different areas. So you had a town, all of the nicer inner suburbs were reserved for whites, uh, and then there would be a small suburb for coloreds, which was the term that they used for people of mixed race. Um, and then there was another small suburb for um, Asians, and they, they were nearly all people of uh, Indian background, because there have been a lot of Indian people uh, in southern Africa from from a long way back, particularly in Natal and Durban, but all throughout South Africa. So every town was divided. You had the, the whites, you had the coloreds, you had the Asians. And then they had an area for the blacks. And this was the, this was the terminology that was used. And the blacks were nearly always located geographically out of the town. So they would mm -hmm. actually 
drive out, you know, 10, 15 kilometers, and if there wasn't already a place there, they'd establish one, and that's where the township, as it was called. So a lot of people don't realize that um, Soweto, which right. people have heard of, yeah. uh, the name itself is an acronym. It comes from SO for South, yeah. WE for West, TO for Township, Soweto, oh, right. Southwest Township. Right. And that was the that was the black area for the city of Johannesburg, but Soweto is huge. Um, it's over a million people. Were you there and, uh, during the um, riots they had? In, was it nineteen seventy six? Yeah, said? that's right. Yeah, the nineteen seventy six uh, riots. Well, we were living in Lesotho, but we did see firsthand that. Uh, what was interesting was we learnt about it through the BBC um, shortwave. International News Service, right. because the, yeah. the white South African government completely controlled all the local news broadcasts, and so mm. we, we often found out what was going on in South Africa through international news sources rather than what mm. was happening in South Africa. And oh, right. yeah. not only that, but then we saw flooding into Lesotho. There were a lot of mainly young people who were fleeing uh, from the repression of the white South African government, and they would come into Lesotho for for um, safe haven. But it was it's interesting to think how um, the world is waking up to mm. to the oneness of the human community. Yeah. The fact there's only one human race. We're all one. We're all one people yeah. living on one beautiful little planet. And the sooner we get rid of these old um, ideas of, of racism and um, we're still struggling of course with nationalism, there's nothing wrong with loving your country and being proud of your yeah. culture and all this kind of stuff but when it acts as it still does as an obstacle to people working together and nations working together um, then it's a problem and it still is a problem in the world. But, uh, yeah, certainly racism is on the way out. Uh, uh, Legally, it's no longer there. But, of course, you've still got to change the minds and hearts of people. And when kids grow up with it, no no child is born with racism. Um, Mm. It's it's learned from parents and from the community in which people grow. And, of course, it can be unlearned. You learn Mm. the opposite as well. It's really cold. I wonder if I approach him if he'll give me anything, anything to eat. Hey, you hungry? You thirsty? Come down to the Kensington by the Oval. Sorry, I mean, come down to the Oval by the Kensington. We have soup. We have cheese rolls. I know you all love cheese rolls. We have sandwiches. We have coffee. Tea, Milo, with sugar to your preference. Best part of it all, it's all free. Three sugars, four, five. No, we don't do five. Coffee, one okay. sugar. Two sugars, sorry. The Caravan. Open every Sunday, 9am to 12pm. Rain, hail or shine. Look for us on Facebook. The Caravan. So, um, that time, I was just thinking, when you were uh, with Grace, uh, when you did go into South Africa, were you able to walk around together? I don't know, um, you know, like a white man and a black woman. Well, uh, it was difficult, and you had to be careful. Uh, just to 
give you an example of how absurd it was. Um, I had a ute. To a, we had a ute at the time. Mm. And if Grace and I traveled across the border into Vepina, which was the nearest little town in the Orange Free State, or into Bloemfontein itself, right. mm-hmm. um, if Grace had sat next to me in the front seat while I was driving, we could easily have been stopped and abused by policemen and, and the, the, the black woman told to jump in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had a, a lovely Alsatian dog. I could travel with the dog in the front seat and my wife on the back without <laughs> any trouble, <laughs> but not the other way around. But that's mm. those things are now in the past. Um, yeah. the, the struggles of Mandela and, and all of the thousands, millions of people in South Africa who opposed that. And there were also, in the white community, a small number of those who also... Um, braved a lot of criticism from their fellow whites by opposing what was going on. But, yeah, in history will record South Africa as one of the last countries to attempt seriously to divide people on uh, so-called racist lines. Um, but it's fading in history, and the sooner it fades, the better. But we've still got some way to go. Yeah, thank you for that, Peter. It's a good insight too for um, young people today who probably don't know anything about apartheid or are totally unaware of it or weren't even born. That's true. And um, yeah. I remember watching something recently where they showed the um, protests in New Zealand when they toured, the South African rugby team toured um, New Zealand in, what was it, late 80s, 90s? Yeah, I was watching some footage not long ago about it. Yes. Yeah, and that caused a big um, uproar in New Zealand. Um yeah, so it's great that we've moved on from there, and um, yeah, we're in a new world now. <clears throat> I'm just thinking about my own children, in terms of we were talking about um, racism, well, um, kids these days are made up of so many different races, when I think about my own, my own children, they've like got Japanese, Samoan, Indian, Māori, yeah. Pākehā, German, I know the German in our family yes. from, from when the Germans were in Samoa. Right. So, um, yeah, they really are a, a melting pot <laughs> of um, yeah. races. Yes, th- this is this is the future of our planet, uh, the realisation that we're one human family. Um, and it, we need to move beyond tolerance. I mean, who wants to be tolerated? We need to, <laughs> we yeah, need, yeah. need to move, and we are getting to the point where... Uh, the great diversity in our community is actually a celebration. It's yeah. seen as uh, something that's very positive. Even the business world, the commercial world, understand that diversity enriches their um, their their business corporations and their thinking and, and so on. And I was reading an article recently where uh, a lot of managers in, in big corporations and businesses are actively recruiting people from different countries and backgrounds because mm. they've, they've learnt that this um, a very valuable resource are the different ways that people think and see the world yeah. and that when you um, have all of these working together in harmony the, the end result is something better and richer than what you would have had if you just stuck with a, a group of you know, the same yeah, that's but right. yeah, this yeah. this acceptance and celebration of cultural difference—it's wonderful to see what what's happening in our high schools and in our primary schools. Celebration of different cultures and things like that—it's to be applauded. Yes. 
So we, like we said earlier on, both Peter and I are in the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council. If you're an immigrant that's living in Dunedin, Otago, Otipoti, feel free to contact us. We have our um, uh, Facebook page, which is uh, Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council. And if you have any feedback to this program, you can contact um, Otago Access Radio. They have their email address and um, on their website. But we'd like to thank, I'd like to, well, I would like to thank Peter for coming into the studio today and um, sharing his um, journeys into Africa. And maybe we can talk about another place or some other things with Peter some other time. But um, yeah, once again, thank thank you, Peter, for being with us. Kia ora, Peter. It's a Kia ora, brother. And um, have a great evening, day, and um, we'll see you on the next program. We're t- every Tuesday, 6 p.m.
Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council on Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Join Lux, Valerie and their special guests to hear the latest from the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC on Air, 6pm Tuesdays with podcasts available anytime from oar.org.nz, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.